listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Yes, hello again, everyone. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about some issues regarding application security. And I'm happy to have with us today Dennis Hurst. He's president and co-founder of Saltworks.io. Dennis, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Sure. One of the things that I uh, wanted to talk about, I know this is kind of the area that you work in, uh, are these two different types of um, management, security management issues that people deal with. One of them, of course, attack surface management, the other application inventory. Maybe you can talk about the difference between those uh, and why those are uh, important for people to look at. Yeah, so you know, in the application space, and it's, it's true in lots of things, but certainly in the application space, um, attack surface management and application inventories are kind of two sides of the same coin, really. So attack surface management is looking at yourself from the outside world in. So what applications exist, what servers exist, um, really using external resources. So DNS entries, um, links that are found. It's combing the internet for anything that might give an indication of some server or service you've got running, which would lead to risk. That's attack surface management. So it's ultimately understanding what's what exists. Application inventory is more of an inside out view. And that's the inventory that you keep. Um, commonly, it would be in like a CMDB or some system like that. That's the applications that you've written, developed, or purchased, and you run, and you know you run. So an application inventory is what you know you do, and an attack surface management is what does the world see that you do? Mm-hmm. Now, in theory, those two should be the same. In an ideal world, you know, the perfect world, you would know everything that's on the internet. Uh, in reality, that just doesn't exist. Um, what happens is, you know, some marketing person goes out with their credit card and fires up a website, and now you've got a service that security doesn't know exists anymore. It's the it's the classic cloud problem, but it's been around since before the cloud. It's it's mm-hmm. public stuff. Um, so it's marrying the two of those together, really, is marrying the two of those together to understand what exists, what do you know exists, and where are the gaps between those two, you know, knowing the unknown. Right. Uh, you know, of course, talking about the cloud and, and things like that, just the complexity of today's applications, I, I think, is making security such a big challenge. Uh, it seems to me the attack surface is harder to keep up with than your own internal inventory, because as you said, you know what you have. But uh, there may be things that people are seeing from the outside that you haven't seen yet, and they can possibly take advantage of that. Oh, ab- absolutely. And you know, like your, your point about the complexity is absolutely true, where an application is no longer just an application, like I would think of it as a developer. It's a whole set of microservices that run outside your network, inside your network, that talk to each other, that really give an avenue for a potential breach to occur through a complex set of systems and get far more into your systems than you would ever think. So under, understanding what exists and what communicates and how that's secured, you're exactly right. It's very complicated, but but critical to, to uh, protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, one of the things people talk about with security is uh, risk assessment and management. And uh, I, I would imagine that uh, these organizations have to determine how much risk they can handle, uh, you know, a lot of times people will see vulnerabilities, but they'll say, well, that's not really a huge risk because it doesn't give access to certain things. What is your view of that? And and what would you advise people to do in terms of trying to figure out what they're, uh, you know, to do a risk assessment? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So the, the first question I always ask is, 
um, what exists on the internet. So what's out there that somebody could potentially use to breach you. That's pretty obvious. Hmm. Um, and then starting to understand how much do you understand about those things? So for example, most people like to take a tiered approach, which I think is wise. So they might have tier one applications, which are critical. You know, it has PII, it has credit cards, it has healthcare data, you know, things that you really need to protect. And then as you come down those tiers, you know, as we get to a tier two, three, four, maybe it's more marketing material that's kind of public anyway. Mm -hmm. And understanding that is very important. But then there's the second step, which is the discipline to make sure that those lower tier or less pro lower priority systems don't happen to be running side by side with some ultra critical tier one application. Mm -hmm. So that the whole thing of understanding what exists, where is it, um, and then being able to focus. So if I find, for example, through um, you know, an attack surface review that there's a web server in Europe that's got marketing stuff on it. Well, maybe that's a low priority because I, I'm pretty sure it's not on my core systems. On the other hand, if I find that same web application running on a core data center, that's a huge risk. And we've seen, you know, we've seen breaches for decades now where some low priority application was running side by side with something very critical and a breach occurred because they got into the low priority system, you know, jumped across to something higher priority and, and you're exploited. Right, right. And, and I know a lot of people will talk about even if you have, uh, you know, something that can be exploited in a tier four application and you don't think it's really that high a risk that you still need to deal with it because there are so many dependencies now in applications that if you leave something unattended, you never know down the road how that might become a much bigger exposure. Yeah, and having that, having a disciplined program to say, if, if you're intentionally not going to deal with something, because we all have lots of things we have to get done, yeah. um, how do you ensure that that thing is containerized and not pulled back into core systems? Uh, we, we see that again you know, all the time where, and we've seen this over and over over the years, where something had a vulnerability, company knew about it, either it was so far in the peripheral they didn't care, or it was so far in their internal network they ignored it, but then either it got moved into an internal data center or it got exposed to the internet and a breach occurred. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a, there's a discipline involved in ignoring something. Right. It's saying, okay, I, I know it's bad. I don't have time to fix it. Let's keep it containerized out in the world where it's not going to, even if it got breached, we can manage it. Um, but that is a discipline. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just, it's not just ignoring it for the sake of ignoring it. It is a disciplined act of, I know that it's safe or contained and I accept that. Yeah. So, so let me ask you then, if you're talking about uh, being part of an application security team, uh, what, what kind of metrics do they need to be looking for uh, that would signal that there's a, a problem? Yeah, so there's, you know, the, first, the two things we've talked about of, you know, the external view in and then the application inventory and the marrying of those, so just what exists. Um, the next big thing is going to be, are you running assessments of those applications uh, in a timely fashion? So if you've got a discipline that says we're going to run static and dynamic and open source assessments and pen tests on a periodic basis, are you doing that? So tracking the metrics of, am I running the kinds of assessments that I believe are important on a periodic basis? And then finally, the thing that everybody thinks about is, okay, now that I'm running those assessments, what kind of vulnerabilities am I finding and are they being mitigated in a timely fashion? Because there's the reality that a critical vulnerability that I find today is bad, letting it sit there for three years while people have an opportunity to go exploit it is very, very bad. So that, that, that knowledge of when did I find it and what am I doing to actually get that thing fixed quickly and being able to measure all of those things. Right. Yeah. I was reading somewhere recently um, a survey that came out of um, Black Hat 
uh, the, the, you know, the recent event. And organizations were saying that, uh, or, or actually, you know, people who are down in the trenches were reporting that their organizations are just not committing enough resources to security. Uh, they don't have enough tooling. They don't have enough training. Uh, why do you think that that's still happening in our industry? Uh, you know, in, in light of some of these massive breaches that we've seen, especially now with uh, at the gas pump, you yeah. know, now you're hitting my pocket. Oh, yeah. Why Why are people not paying more attention to this? And why do the vulnerabilities that we saw on the OWASP list 15 years ago still on the OWASP list? Oh, yeah. that, that The gas pump is a perfect example. We are uh, driving from Atlanta to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where we've got two offices. We've got an electric car. And uh, for about a week there, we had nobody else on the, on the roads with us. Mm -hmm. it, it was profound. It was, it was noticeable. Um, wow. you know, I think there, you know two big problems. I think it's two sides of something that happens there. One is you've got the really bad case where executives don't care. Now, that's less and less over time. And so it, right. it happens. I think the more common thing, though, is a lack of metrics, um, which then lead to a lack of ability to communicate to executives clearly what the problem and the risk is and clearly what the potential solutions are. Because if we're going to, a, you know, a CEO, we're going to the business and saying, you have a problem, we need to be able to communicate very clearly, what's the problem? How do I know it exists? And what are the specific tasks I can take to mitigate it? And what's my plan? Mm -hmm. Then, I, we, and we see this consistently, then you get funding for it. Um, right. All too often, we find security practitioners don't have the ability to communicate that with metrics. Um, and it's really hard to get funding for any kind of risk without metrics to visualize it because it's it's a comp very like you said earlier it's a very complicated problem, and if we can't communicate that to business people, they're you know they're intelligent people they just aren't security people. Mm -hmm. um, we got to be able to communicate specifically, but at a, in a language that they support. Th that's why we think metrics are so important because yeah. I can give, and also tangible results of you know hey you made this investment in us last year. Here's our success over the last year. We're going to ask you for more money to continue that success. That's what gets funded. Um, just saying there's a problem and give me cash, that's a hard sell. You know, sure. you, you've got to be able to make a business case in their language. Right. So I'm curious to know if you uh, think or might have any inside knowledge of now we have this big infrastructure bill that looks like it's going to be passed and there's money for internet infrastructure, things like that. Is mm -hmm. any of that, do you think, going to be directed towards hardening, you know, the systems to make it more difficult for them to crack into? And uh, the other thing I would ask, uh, kind of hand in hand with that, a recent report just came out about, uh, uh, you know, cataclysmic uh, weather events that we're having uh, mm -hmm. and, um, and how much that kind of ties into security. We're like, oh, okay, now we're seeing wildfires all over the place gee, we should do something about it now. You know, are these recent breaches, Colonial, the gas pumps, uh, the pipeline, you know, all this kind of stuff, is that kind of waking people up now to, hey, this is uh, this is a serious issue? Oh, I think it absolutely does. I think it goes to helping people understand the uh, the fragileness or the, you know, the, the fragility of the system as, as a whole. Um, whether it's a pump, you know, we several years back, there was a hurricane hit Houston and it took out a pump, one pump station, and Atlanta ran out of gasoline. Wow. So we, we appreciated our own weakness. Um, but also the same thing is through for cyber attacks of, you know, we with the colonial, you know, breach. Right. We now know that, you know, a hurricane can take out your oil supply, but so can a, and a hacker um, and right. building those systems. And I don't, I don't know that the bill will have anything specific in it, you know, as it gets funded. Mm -hmm. 
But there are a lot of other federal regu- you know, policies that are coming into place that will force it, I think. So I think we will see a good amount of that money going in, into security, um, either intentionally because the bill says so, or secondarily just because the policies that govern those industries are, right. are finally starting to catch up. You know, mm. we're at least seeing some hope there. Right. So, uh, so I, I would just ask you maybe as, as kind of a summation kind of a thing, do you think the most important need is, you know, buy-in from the C-suite for more security, uh, you know, the, the raising of awareness? Where, where should the efforts be now to kind of make security a, a front burner issue and people actually starting to do something about it? Yeah, honestly, I think it's definitely C-suite buy-in. I think that's clear, and and I think that's a there. You know, it's it's a relationship. It's it's the ability, like I was talking about earlier, of security to communicate clearly what the problem is, what the plan is to mitigate the problem, and be able to measure successful results so that the the C suite can understand it in their language. But then inversely, that the C suite is willing to invest funds to make it happen. It, it's but it, the C suite support and awareness are critical. Um, where we've seen companies have great success, without exception, the C-suite, C-suite was buying in uh, far more than a, you know any policies uh, like PCI. Or, or th- those have had some good effect. Um, C-suite buy-in, hands down, is the most influential thing we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Dennis, uh, certainly you know a hot topic these days with uh, what we're seeing happening. I appreciate your time today to get on the What the Dev podcast with us and and talk about it a little bit. Uh, So thanks so much for your time and thanks for being here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. And and thank you to all our listeners who keep joining us. Uh, Once again, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now.